Welcome back to The Design Life Podcast. I'm your host, Max Cohen. The Doctor of Design, or DDES program, was established in 2016, making it one of the newest programs the college has to offer. It is also the only one of its kind in the country that offers a blended online learning model for design research. The Doctor of Design has garnered attention and enrollment from students around the world, many of whom are already established professionals in a plethora of industries. Today, we're talking with the director of the DDES program, Ellen Deming. We'll be talking about why it's so important to have a research program in design, who the students are that make up the DDES program, and the academic challenges that are being faced in the era of COVID-19. Thanks for joining us. You're now tuned in to Design Life. Hi, Ellen. Hi. Thanks for joining us for the Design Life podcast. Could you tell us a bit about who you are and what you do at the College of Design? Thanks, Max, for, for, um, for inviting me to, to talk with you today. I joined the College of Design about three years ago. And at that point, my identity, if you will, my academic and professional identity went through a major shift. I'm still coping with that. I'm still uh, rolling with that, if you will. I'm trained as a landscape architect. I practice in professional firms for a dozen years before going into academia. And then while I was in academia, I continued to learn as I was learning to teach. Uh, It was an exciting time. This was in the early mid-90s. I ended up with a degree in art history, of all things, and became very interested in landscape representation, which was a big deal in the 90s, and went on to take a doctoral degree uh, at Harvard, a doctor of design. And so right off the bat, I had to choose to do something a little different, not a classical PhD degree, but something that was much more oriented towards the professional practice of design. And in the course of doing that program, it kind of blew my doors off. It woke me up to understanding that design process is in itself when disciplined appropriately and contextualized and reported on is a a pathway to knowledge production. It is a form of research. I didn't, I had never given myself permission to think about it that way before. And ever since I came to believe that, uh, it, it really refocused my research agenda. And so at that point on, I I started to take more of a leadership role, uh, I would say both administratively and intellectually in the various institutions that I've served. So your DDES came from from Harvard. Where were you before you came to the College of Design? And how did you find yourself as the director of the DDES program? Enter Art Rice, then Associate Dean of the College of Design, who alerted me to the fact that there was a new program that was initiated by the by the previous dean Marvin Malika, the late great Marvin Malika, that it was approved in the fall of 2016, 
and they would be running a search for a new director. And it was a new venture of real, I mean, think about it. It's, it's a kind of entrepreneurship, if you will. The DDS program was designed, set up to be self-funding, self-supporting, which is um, not as far-fetched as you might think, <laughs> given the, the, the current uh, scenarios facing public higher education. I think in many ways, uh, the self-funding model is the is a taste of the future. Uh, and while there's a great deal of risk associated with, with that model, there's also um, eventually, I would, I would argue, some resiliency that comes along with it because we're not depending on a public body or a political environment to support us. We, we are, in fact, market-driven. One of the things that has become clear to me is that the market for Doctor of Design degree, like the one we're building, uh, like the one we're offering, is almost limitless. And that's exciting, but it's also challenging. And I'll come back to that. I do want to touch on that self-funding model mm. in education with you. But first, I think it's really important that maybe we start the discussion on what actually is a Doctor of Design program. How does it compare to a traditional PhD program? And is it something that is common in higher education now, or is it more of a emerging method of higher education? The DDES is different than a classical PhD program. Um, I'm going to talk about the PhD program here at NC State for comparison, but it is also very similar. So if you think about this um, as a kind of spectrum of, of the color blue, and then on the same line, a spectrum of the color red, and then there's a lot of purple and lavender shadings in the middle. Um, that's uh, there's an overlap between the, the two programs. The DDES program has eight structured courses that are required. It offers no electives. All the rest of the credits are independent research at different levels as you move closer and closer to your goals. PhD program is the opposite. It has a lot of um, credits required in coursework, but it doesn't offer its own courses. You, you PhD students go out and find those courses around the College of Design or around the campus. Now, here's the thing. Our DDES program is online. It's entirely online. And uh, that's why we have to provide our students with our, our own courses with, a, um, with, with content that is going to support a wide range of student interests. Like the PhD program, we admit students with interests in all of the design disciplines that the college has expertise in, that, that we have expertise we can offer a student. But it's... It's unlike the PhD program, um, principally because of the kind of students that we serve. Our students, 95% of them are working full-time as designers. They are established 
practitioners. Many of them are business owners or middle or senior management in, uh, in firms or in government. Or uh, we also have a fairly healthy contingent of students who are academics. We have some who are in not-for-profits. So they represent all the different sectors, but on average, they have somewhere between 16 and 18 years of experience. That's, that's a very different kind of student. And that, that student is attending part-time. They're very, very skillful at time management. They're very driven. They're busy people. They don't have time to waste. So we want to make sure that our curriculum is very legible, very relevant and very stretchy so so that we can help them target their uh, their investigations and get on with them. You've talked a bit about who the students are that come into the DDES program, but from my understanding, right, a lot of them they're, they're business owners. They already work in things like landscape architecture, architecture, urban planning. Some of them are passionate about graphic design. What, from those backgrounds, what kind of, of research areas do you see these students going for? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, every year we admit a cohort of new students and So we're admitting our third cohort in August. We're very, very excited about this new group joining the students we have already. So we are now up to 26 DITA students. And what we're starting to see are patterns and, and disruptions to patterns. So we've got... At this point, I think I could describe two major um, coalitions or concentrations of um, design research, and then two sort of smaller areas that are emerging. The the big one, the the two big ones are um, spatial environmental design. So as you said, landscape architecture, planning, civil engineering, architecture, the folks who are trained with that kind of background who want to come in and and shape space or think about infrastructure or think about form giving and place making and uh, performance, um, you know, um, spatial performance, questions like that. So that's a big group. I would say that's probably at least a third of our students right now. Um, the second big uh, area of study has to do with user-centered or human-centered design. And in particular, I think there's a, there's a, a theme um, starting to take shape for that group having to do with design pedagogy, teaching design, uh, using design thinking as a way of problem-solving, not only in schools, but also for corporations. And um, things having to do with cognitive science uh, and design. So these are folks who've been trained in graphic design and communications. They're interested in artificial intelligence and um, virtual reality, augmented reality as tools to enhance perception, but also to um, aid in the development of empathy. So, so that's, a, that's a second cluster of, of interest. 
Then there's um, kind of related to both of those, we have a group that's interested in social entrepreneurship. So these are folks who, and, and maybe this is not a separate area, but it's an overlay. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but these are mission-driven designers who are interested in, in having social impacts, um, you know, uh, dealing with issues of social injustice or environmental injustice or community engagement or um, serving the underrepresented or the disabled or differently abled or um, differently identified client. And then there's a group that's interested in new media and materials and 3D printing and um, furniture design, for example, and somebody else who's interested in textiles for healing, having to do with sports wear, uh, footwear in particular. So there's a there's a group of folks who are starting to emerge in that area too. So that's that's more um, object design, but that's not as big an area as you might imagine. But I also think it's important to recognize that there's a there's a span of ages. Um, you know, uh, had nobody under thirty, um, nobody over seventy, but we also have I would say about one third of our students are underrepresented minorities. We have a very good representation in each cohort of African-Americans for mixed race students. We have Latina, uh, Latino students. And I think that the opportunity costs for many Americans after you hit 30 becomes exorbitant. It, it, it puts advanced studies out of reach. And if you were like me, somebody who went to work early on, um, but you didn't go to work in academia, your access to continuing your learning, continuing the claims you want to make on your expertise, and uh, continuing to develop your approaches to design or the impacts of your design, that's, that's out of reach. And the DDES program makes that possible for a, a, a much broader and diverse range of, of students. And we're, I'm really proud of that. That's really interesting because a lot of conversations that I've had with people, if you tell them that you are going to pursue an advanced degree, a PhD or a doctorate, the, mm-hmm. the common assumption is that you're going into pedagogy and that is you want to research, you want to teach and you want to be a tenure track professor. But it sounds like from your description, maybe this goes back to a difference between DDES and a traditional PhD, but it sounds like the variety of applications for this kind of program, it's, it's a very wide scope. That's true. That, I think is also true in the PhD program. There's a there's a fairly wide range of topics that PhD students um, explore. The PhD program at NC State is about 40, 44 students at any one time. Um, and as I said, we have 26 now in the DDES program. And our goal is to get up to around 30 to 32 to 36 students tops 
we think that's a resilient number. And so now if you look at all the doctoral students in the College of Design, that's a big population. That's about 80 people. And every one of them is studying um, something different. And, and depending on who, who is supporting their work, they may or may not align closely faculty interests. So there's a, there is a huge um, intellectual scope there. That's one of the challenges of the program, to be honest with you, is making sure that the students that we admit to the DDES have enough support, enough intellectual support from among the faculty, both the faculty in the College of Design at NC State on campus and also in the UNC system. One of the great things about doctoral studies in the UNC system is you can pull faculty advisors from any graduate faculty of the UNC um, institution. So you can pull somebody from Duke, you can pull somebody from UNC Chapel Hill or Charlotte who's got expertise in your area. So there's another piece of this. It is our, all of our courses are fully online. But we talk about the DDES program as a hybrid program because there is a face-to-face -face component, ideally, and that's the Immersion Week. Immersion Week happens twice a year. The first Immersion Week is the, typically the week before classes start, and it's a way of bringing in the new cohort, welcoming them, settling them down, allowing them to bond, to meet their advisors, to get a sense of the resources at their command. Even as distance students, they still have access to all the resources of the university, um, the library being a, a really big one, and, and other benefits like a fellowship's office or, you know, um, even health and, and counseling services are available. So, so that happens in August, and then there's one the week after spring break. And so when the students come back, they have a very different experience of campus. Now everything is rocking and rolling, and everybody's in classes, and everybody's on campus. It's not that quiet, uh, kind of sheltered, nurturing experience that we have in August planned for them. In this case, it's like, here, here are all these other resources. We have a lecture series that we support. There are workshops and classes are, are having sometimes face-to-face -face meetings just to take advantage of them being on campus. And the students themselves make progress reports and presentations to each other and to the college community. So it's a big deal. In March 2020, we had the whole thing buttoned up and ready to go, and we canceled it less than a week before the students were scheduled to arrive. And that was a killer. The students were disappointed. We were disappointed. We really missed out on our, our capacity to give energy, you know, to, to students who are were doing this very much in a compartmentalized way in their lives. And, and our August 2020 Immersion Week is going to be entirely online. We're hosting a major symposium, and it's going to be entirely online. And so this is, this is new. This is, this is different, and we're not crazy about it. So in, in many ways, we've been touched by the same um, constraints as everybody else. Do you see this 
Immersion Week coming up in August as an opportunity to fill in those gaps? Yes, I hope so. In August, there's a symposium. So very timely. It's going to be themed around health and design. So there will be two major panels. One will be about design thinking being used by healthcare professionals to solve problems in delivery of services and the healthcare environment. And then the second panel will be about health outcomes, thinking about health outcomes in the design process, if if you will. Thinking about the way public space is shaped, uh, thinking about the way larger environmental systems are are designed for healthy outcomes. So this kind of goes back to climate health and and, um, uh, environmental health, as well as social and personal health. And then in the middle, there's a bridge keynote, Ellen Lupton, who is a senior uh, curator at the Cooper Hewitt Museum, who's um, co-authored a book on design and health. And she's uh, she's going to kind of bridge between the, the two panels. So it's, it's, it's very symmetrical. It's very diverse in terms of the professionals who are, who, are, who are speaking. We have architects, landscape architects, industrial designers, graphic designers, and doctors, uh, and, and scholars and academics. So it's, it's going to be a really nice mix, we think. At the beginning of our interview, I did mention that I I wanted to ask you a little bit about the self-funding aspect of the Doctor of Design program. I I wanted to ask you, one, why is the DDES program a self-funded program (laughs) compared to other programs at the college? And two, what what does that funding go towards? Does that go towards salary, materials, uh, uh, grants, or are there other things that people might not necessarily know about that individual funding is so critical to? Mm-hmm. Well, th- that's, you've asked a, a tough question there. Why is the DDS program self-funding? This was a decision, it was a strategic decision that was made when the program was being proposed when it was set up by the previous dean and associate dean rice it was it was linked to i think a larger initiative on campus to create online programs through delta delta is uh, distance education learning technology applications i believe um, i do not i was not privy to the decision making process or to the strategic rationale that led to it becoming a self-funding program. But I do think it was seen as a way of adding a, a, a premier graduate program at the College of Design without necessarily fronting a lot of startup costs. The startup costs were fronted by the university, by, both by the provost's office and by Delta, particularly the first year, when we had no students at all, but the last two years we have we had eight, and then we had sixteen. But even sixteen part-time students does not generate a lot of tuition dollars. This year we're coming very close to breaking even, and I'm, I could not be happier about that. Uh, next year we will be 
solvent and thereafter we will be resilient and that's going to be great that'll that will allow us then to grow our programming and one of the things that hopefully will allow us to do is to concentrate on the development of an endowment for student support which is which is another one of my big goals for the program outside of tuition it does philanthropy play a big role in the operations of the Doctor of Design? I don't think so. If I understand your question, philanthropy doesn't play any role yet. And this is, as I said, one of my great goals for this program is for development, um, philanthropy, if you will, um, to, to start to recognize the value of this program in particular, and this model of education in general. We think that industry should be very interested in what we're doing with the DDoS program. And that, um, in fact, many companies are supporting students who are in the DDoS program in small ways, either by um, giving them release, time release, or just flexibility to, um, to juggle the, the conflicting deadlines that often occur, if not uh, tuition support. So for example, one of our students is getting tuition support from her employer out in Portland, Oregon. Um, but we don't have an endowment to speak of yet. So one of the, one of my goals would be to have our own, to have our own support fund. The reason why that is important is because the way that scholarships and fellowships are set up at NC State, and yes, DDoS students are eligible to apply for some of those things, but they are almost invariably awarded only to full-time students, and DDoS students are not. And that, that cuts them out immediately. For a DDoS student to go full-time in order to take advantage of one of those fellowships. So for example, we have a student coming in this fall who's been offered a university fellowship, which is a very big deal, and we're very proud of that. But that means he has to go, he has to attend full-time. He has a full-time job. It's going to be Anna and two small children. <laughs> I don't know how he's planning to do it. I'm certain he could but it will come at a cost. I'd like for us to have uh, um, resources to support students that give them flexibility to continue to study part-time. Things like travel funds would be for coming back to campus for immersion weeks, especially for students who live in California or Indonesia, which um, we have. So, um yeah, we have a lot of needs, and we're, we're building to that. But first, I think it's very important for us to be able to celebrate the achievements of our students, the work that they're doing through their dissertations, talking about the impact of their ideas, showing how their ideas have directly either changed their communities or changed their practices or changed their organization in some way. I think the more of those stories we can tell, the more likely we are to attract philanthropy. 
One final question. Since the beginning of your time in the DDES program, and also during these past few months with COVID-19, what would you consider to be some of the biggest successes of the program that you've seen? I'm very proud of what we've been able to do in this program, but I'm proudest of all of the students and the transformation that I see in them over the course of a single semester. Um, And now uh, our first cohort of students coming back, starting to take their preliminary exams, starting to uh, publish and present their work at conferences, starting to partner on grants. It's amazing. Uh, I could not be more enthusiastic about our students. It's hard to call them students, to be honest, because they are more like colleagues. We call them student practitioners as a way of distinguishing them from, uh, from what people might imagine a student to be, a stereotypical student. These, these folks are anything but. So I'm very, I think that the, the students themselves have shown remarkable resilience, um, drive, commitment, passion. They, they are investing heavily in themselves and they've taken a risk on a, on a, on a new program. And for that, I'm intensely grateful. Um, now with our third cohort, we're, we're seeing students coming from farther and farther and farther away. Uh, and so I think that's a measure of our success is that people are finding us. They are, they, they are looking, they're, they're, they're searching the web for design research, design doctorate, uh, online design, anything. And they're finding us and they're coming here and they're doing great things. Ellen, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and having this conversation. Thank you. I, I love talking about it. Listeners, if you're interested in design research, you might be interested in the upcoming DDES Immersion Week. It starts on August 14th, and information on how to attend can be found on the NC State College of Design website. That's design.ncsu. Furthermore, we would love to hear from our audience. Is there a research-related design topic that piques your interest? Let us know by sending us a message on any one of our social media platforms. Our handle is at NC State Design. Until next time, this is Design Life.